Okay, it's official now. <laughs> um, yeah, last week we um, really went into um, three specific testimonies um, of Jesus, but let me just start with Revelations 19, Revelations, Revelation 1910. Um, it says, uh, at this, I fell face down at the angel's feet to worship him, but he stopped me and said, don't do this, for I am only a fellow servant with you and one of your brothers who clings to what Jesus testifies. Worship God, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So this is an encounter he had with an angel. Um, and basically he is just, um, this is where we, where we get, I, I don't know if you're like me, I've heard people say that phrase, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Like, have you heard that mentioned without the verse? Yes. Yeah. Okay. When you heard it, were you like, what, what does that actually mean? Like, what is that really? Um, in context of usually what it, where, how it is presented. So that's what got me going on this because I'm like, what does that really mean? And then the Lord just began to kind of open up the scriptures to me to really show me, um, and this may not be news to you, uh, and most of it isn't new information. I think it's just representing um, truth that we already know um, from someone maybe you've never heard of, like me. Uh, whenever you are learning things in the scripture, I feel like different people bring different things. Like different things are highlighted, like what might be highlighted to you will, right? Uh, what might be highlighted to Will uh, may not be highlighted to me. So I would be curious to know like what, what part of this scripture is being highlighted to him and how he sees it and how different we all are in the way we read the scripture. So I love that we get to have the same truth in the word of God, but look at it differently. And so that's kind of what I felt like this was. But if we look at that verse in Revelation 19.10, and what they're really saying is that Jesus is the essence of all prophecy. Um, he is the actual literal fulfillment of all things, uh, past, right, present, and future. So he's even the fulfillment of what's to come. Uh, past, the past, if you read all the Old Testament, what is it doing? It's pointing to Jesus, right? All the prophecies of the old covenant points to Jesus. If we read the, through the, the gospel, the, the four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, it points to himself as the fulfillment of what was spoken, right? Um, if we read about what's in the future to come, who does it point to? You know, it all points to Jesus. So everything he said, everything he did was a fulfillment. And now we today currently have the Holy Spirit co-laboring still today to actually fulfill it. So what he did 2,000 years ago, he had you in mind, right? So I feel like it's worth kind of pausing and thinking. For me, that just really bakes my noodle to think about that, to go 2,000 years ago, he thought of um, Tanya, and he thought of your life and said, I... I have this is my joy to do this for Tanya so that the destiny on your life can be fulfilled. Like that's crazy to me to think that to go. He knew he knew he knew all of us in this room 
the joy was set. You were the joy set before him to suffer all that he did, go through all that he did so that you can step into the fulfillment of all that God has for you, right? Because it's all in Jesus, through Jesus. He's the point. So we just talked a little bit about we no longer need to wait for the external visitation um, that they had to wait upon. So if you really think about the reality of prophecy, you had to wait until the prophets were spoken to by God. And they had to wait for God to speak to them. Um, And so they were always waiting (laughs) in the Old Testament. But we have the inhabitation of the Holy Spirit and we don't have to wait for a prophet. You know, we don't have to wait for someone else to tell us what God wants to tell us himself. We have him living in us. I don't know how that all works. I just know the word says that the fullness of God, the deity of God, all de- everything God is, is in us when we said yes to Jesus. So the fullness of God is in us. So we have access to him all the time, all the time. There's never a time where we don't have access to him. It's not like I'm sleeping, you know, (laughs) I'm busy, um, you have to wait. Uh, No, we have access to him all the time. And so what is happening today, we actually have more people prophesying on the earth now more than ever. I've never seen such a that the capacity at the capacity it is now because people are realizing this very truth that we have access to them all the time and it's it's you know it is the verse in acts 2 17 um god said he would pour out in the last day days god would pour out his spirit on all flesh and so we talked about who's a candidate of being filled uh it's skin that's it that's that is the requirement so it says, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. It didn't say I will pour out my spirit on believers. I didn't. It did, doesn't say I will pour out my spirit on Americans, right? Um, so there is no prerequisite. It, he said he would pour out his spirit on all flesh. So if someone doesn't know, know the Lord, can they hear from the Lord? Absolutely. Absolutely. They may not recognize that it's the Lord speaking to them because they, they don't know him yet, which is my testimony. I heard the voice of God, but I didn't know it was the voice of God because I didn't know God. But yet he spoke to me. So that's kind of weird, but it was pretty awesome at the same time. Now that I know what it is, I'm like, wow, that's so cool. And so, you know, he speaks to anyone <laughs> because he's... He, that's a, that was his dream, that we would have the dignity of knowing our father's voice. There's no greater dignity to a son or daughter than to know and hear the voice of, of their father. And so we do. We have more people prophesying on the earth now more than ever. But we also have the largest population of believers who don't believe. We have unbelieving believers. So what is happening? <laughs> and um, when I prayed about... Uh, honestly, I, I made a video last week, but one of the things that I wanted to share with everyone is the last thing we need is another class, right? Uh, we're all busy, and so I just really wanted to ask the Lord, what is it that he wants you to get out of this? Um, even if you didn't come last week, what, what tonight, what does he want you to get out of this? And he said, I want them to believe me. I want, I want them to believe me. And so... 
um, that's kind of what happen what's happening. We have uh, we have an opportunity to see that pendulum swing because if we have more people prophesying on planet Earth now more than ever, I feel like I see that wave coming because what what is the one thing prophecy does as we're going to see through the scriptures? Edifies, yeah, yeah, absolutely. But it it um, it helps people see. It helps them understand that God can see them, and God knows them. So if you if you look at different scriptures, when Jesus said something to somebody, they're like, "How did you know that?" They believed, right? Yes. It raises their belief level. Amen. Amen. You know. So it's just interesting to me. You have. That's why I wanted to mention this. You know, such a vast that you got pe- more people prophesying on planet Earth, and you have more unbelieving believers at the same time. So, like at some point, there's going to be a pendulum swing. You know, at some point there'll be a pendulum swing. So that's what's really cool about all of this journey, and it really is. Uh... Hi, welcome, <laughs> welcome, welcome. So that's why I'm so passionate about this um, is, you know, a lot of people don't even maybe they may not even understand the basic that you have access 24 seven. You know, you have him every second, every half a second, every minute, every hour, every year, every part of your life is completely you have complete access to him. There, there's nothing, there's no hidden agenda, there's nothing, um, there's just nothing that he keeps from us. He keeps things, he keeps us close, there's no separation. So just the very fact that we have that kind of access to God of the universe is, should be mind-blowing to us, right? Yeah. So just imagine for a minute, I think, you know, it's sort of like if you, uh, a a person can imagine a billionaire coming into this room and maybe teaching a financial class and saying, you know, I just feel led to give you $100,000. That would be like, whoa, oh my gosh, that's so unbelievable. And everyone would go bananas in the room, right? And then we say, the God, God of the universe, you have access to his heart, mind, his thoughts, everything. The God who created all of this, who created you, you have 100% access to him. And the crowd goes, what? does the crowd go wild? You know, it's sort of, so it's sort of like, I'm challenging myself with this. So it, this has been stirred up in me. It's like, um, that's a big deal. <laughs> so I just, you know, it's just, again, we're not hearing maybe anything new, but being represented with these truths that I think, they're important to just think about with where we're walking and with the Lord in this day, in this time, for such an hour as this. I know that's overused, but such an hour as this as believers to actually impact the world around us requires us to have present awareness of who God is in our life, right? Just present awareness. If I'm not fully aware how available God is to me, then it's going to affect, you know, how I, how I live my life. What, what I believe be, determines how I behave, right? So that's why it's important um, 
And we, have, we all have an opportunity to change that pendulum to help believers believe. <laughs> so if you're a believing believer, we get to help people believe. So we get to raise their faith, right, with the things that we experience. And, you know, once you, once you grasp and understand really what prophecy is all about, how it operates in our life, you can't unknow it. You know, it, it just grows and grows and grows. And once you realize how much your life can change through this precious gift that God gave us, it's like there's no turning back. <laughs> there's just no turning back. So that's what I hope you get out of tonight is just really having this truth represented to you or maybe you're hearing it for the first time and that's okay um, is to understand um, we all get challenged with what we believe so you know no condemnation here because we all have a starting point there's a lot of things that uh, I just it's worth the challenge to go what do I actually believe what does God want me to actually believe and so this is what I feel God is doing God is bringing reformation Uh, to the prophetic he's really building prophetic communities because what that does it it creates this a space like this where we can grow and learn and have be able to ask the questions be able to explore be able to discover Um, I don't know what your each of your background is but I I've been I wasn't raised in the church so I came into church world as an adult Uh, But I always had a gift to hear God. And not everyone believed in that. It's like, you only hear God through the word. That's kind of what what my background was. You only heard God through the word. And so I would have this just disconnect of like, but I, I know I'm hearing him. I know he's saying these things to me. And I know Holy Spirit is leading me. Um, But I didn't have a community. I didn't know where everyone else was. So I just felt kind of odd. Anyone been there? Felt like the odd one. Felt like I'm crazy. I don't know what's going on. Why do I know these things? Has anyone ever said that in this room? How do I know these things? Like, how is this possible? Um, And so really, that's been my journey. I've had to learn a lot of things alone. And, you know, I wish I had known Uh, what I know now because I probably would have grown a little bit healthier and probably faster uh, and avoided a lot of mistakes so my passion is really to bring people into community together um, because it brings health so for instance if you're on my prophetic team here at the resting place one of my biggest values that I have for the prophetic because we do prophesy over people that come here is accountability you know so straight up I tell you the minute you come on my team we have accountability am I right Joy yes ma'am. she is my serve team leader and so I'm accountable for what I speak to you so if I if I tell you something and I could be wrong I need to give you permission to call, you know, to say, you know, that's like way off. And it's real simple. You just, you apologize. Like, I thought that I heard this, but I guess I heard wrong. I'm learning and growing how to hear God's voice. But what was, what has happened with the prophetic is no one's been allowed to make mistakes out of fear. Like, oh, you're just false, you know? Um, So there's a lot of fear with 
with operating in that gift because we don't have community. And so what we did was we developed these values and these, um, and I just want to share briefly because we are going to just practice a little bit tonight. But I wanted to share with you our, our values that help keep it safe. It'll be, it'll help keep us safe in this room. And so again, accountability is one of them. So whatever we say in this room, just remember if we don't get it right, it doesn't make you false. All right. So I don't want anyone to feel triggered if that ever happened to them. It's happened to me. Um, it just makes us learning, right? So if, I just want you to put, put yourself in the shoes of a child, you know, and we're God's kids and we're going to be learning today. We're just going to be learning some things maybe we've not done before. Maybe we've never prophesied over someone before. Um, and so it's okay to make mistakes because I would never, I would never reprimand my child for doing something new the first time or the second time or the third time because they're trying, they're learning and I'm still learning. So it's, it's allowing us to, to know that that's, we're, we're creating an atmosphere to actually make mistakes on purpose. How many environments do that as an adult? Right. And so I just, I want. I want you to feel at peace, and it's a volunteer. I'm not going to make anyone in this room do it that they don't want to, but we are going to do some activations, and it's going to be a lot of fun. So um, one, of the, one of the values is diversity, First Peter 4.10. It says, every believer has received grace gifts, so use them to serve one another as faithful stewards of many-colored tapestry of God's grace. So the reason why we have that one is because it just opens us up to understand that everyone hears God differently. We don't all hear him the same. Some people hear him through how they feel. Some people just perceive what he's saying. Some people, you know, see things. They might see angels. They might, you know. Um, so everyone, um, there's just that, that, that diversity of how everyone hears God differently. Maybe you don't know your primary way that you hear God. Mine is perceiving. That's my primary way of hearing him. I perceive. I just have this knowing of what he's saying. And I can't explain it other than I know it in my knower. Have you ever heard that? You know it in your knower. Um, how many of you in this room, by raising your hands high, think that you know the primary way you hear God? Awesome. What's your primary way you hear God? The perceiving, okay, joy, perceiving, anyone else, like, shout out what they, yeah, knowing, knowing, okay, knowing, Eva, visions and dreams, okay, awesome, all right, the second one is accountability that I talked about, and that's found in First Thessalonians 5, 20 through 21, it says, do not despise prophecies, but test everything, hold fast to what is good. And so we, if we're giving a word, if we're receiving a word, you know, we should test it. What's, uh, I'll just, I'm going to throw some questions out there. I'm hoping some of my peeps will answer it who's in the room. But what's one way we can test a word? Does it line up with the Bible? Yeah. Very good, Eva. Anyone else want to give a shout out? Yep. That's awesome. Yep. That's the proper use of prophecy. Mm-hmm. Very good. Anyone else want to take a stab at it? Yes. We can ask them if it relates to them. That's right. Does this resonate with you? Right? 
Because usually it's something God's already told you and you're like, yes. Um, or you just feel it. You, you kind of know. You just know. You know that if it's God. Um, okay. And then the last one is accessibility. And I talked about Acts 2.17. Um, and in the last days it shall be, God declares that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh and your sons and daughters shall prophesy and your young men shall see visions. And so it's just coming in with an attitude of knowing everyone has equal access because the reason why this value is important is because a lot of backgrounds are used to maybe the one prophet that comes to the church that gives the word of the Lord. And it's the one powerful person that day. Um, we, we don't do that here at the resting place. You, each one and every person that's in this room is equally powerful because Acts says so, because God said so, because he said, I, and he did, he poured out his spirit on every single one of you. So you, all, you have as much power as I do to hear God. Your word is just as valuable as my word. I'm not the expert in this room. So let me just make that clear. Jesus is the expert because he is the fulfillment of everything, <laughs> right? He's the expert, not me. And so I'm not coming in here as an expert, really. I'm just sharing my experience with you. Um, so, yeah, you're, you're all just as powerful. And so um, in 1 Corinthians 4.13, um, as Nina was saying, um, it should be encouraging. But he who prophesies speaks to men for their edification, encouragement, and comfort. So that is the actual use of prophecy. It's if someone doesn't feel good after you prophesied over them, you may not. It may not be prophecy. <laughs> if they feel worse, if they feel bad about themselves, that's not actual prophecy. So we just need to be mindful. Is what I'm about to tell this person. Here's what I do. I put my hand on my head. I prophesy over myself, and I feel encouraged. Then I give myself permission to give the word. <laughs> And what do you do when someone else comes and gives you a prophecy that makes you feel terrible? I I just had that happen the other day, and I haven't said anything to her, but I'm wondering if I should. Um, well, we're going to have questions, not at this moment. Okay. So thank you. I will get back to that. Okay. That's a very good question. Thank you for asking that. Um, but just remember, you're just as powerful as the other person. And so if uh, someone is speaking over your life, if they're, you know, uh, attempting, you know, kudos for the attempt. But if it's, if it's not in its proper use, if it goes against the character and nature of God, um, Joy, what should we do with that word? You just flush it. You just flush it. Um, <laughs> you don't have to agree with it. You're powerful. So I love what Dan McCollum, uh, who is, is one of my mentors. I don't know if anyone in this room has heard of him. He's an amazing prophet. Uh, he's been running with Chris Vallotton for 20 years now. They do the School of Prophets uh, every year for the last 17 years. And uh, he was receiving a word from someone who felt like they had a word for him. And he stopped them in mid-sentence because everything was about him walking through fear. And he said, time out. I'm going to stop you in the middle of your sentence. I appreciate you 
so much, but I don't do fear. That's simple. You know, we're not here to people please. So it's okay to tell someone, hey, totally not landing on me, but thank you for trying. You know, great job for trying if you want to encourage them back. Because who knows? Yeah. So, all right, I got to move on. But really tonight, I wanted to kind of uh, take kind of the three stories, I get, uh, the three scriptures that I'm going to be choosing tonight. And really, we're going to look at them because it is the testimony of Jesus uh, uh, through prophecy. Um, and really look at this um, from the point of view of prophetic consumers or contributors. That's really kind of the question that I felt like I was supposed to go with tonight. Um, Are we just consumers or are we contributors? So we're going to look at these different scenarios in the Word of God and kind of see what happens. All right. Sound good? Okay. Yay. All right. So the first uh, scripture I'm going to be reading is uh, the scripture about the Samaritan woman. Um, As soon as... Hang on one second. Let me find the beginning. Okay. Soon as the Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to, to her, give me a drink. She replied, why would a Jewish man ask a Samaritan woman for a drink of water? You don't have to go to this. Just um, maybe just dive into the story as I'm reading it. Um, She replied, why would a Jewish man ask a Samaritan woman for a drink of water? For Jews had no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus replied, if you only knew who I am and the gift that God wants to give you, you'd ask me for a drink and I would give you living water. The woman replied, but sir, you don't even have a bucket. She's not getting it, right? He's talking about something else. Yes. How many times have you read the scripture and you're not getting it? Because you're on one level and Jesus is trying to talk to you on a different level. Mm-hmm. Right? So let's just kind of like listen with our spirit and not our head to try to figure it out. Let's listen. Let's be the Samaritan woman for a moment, even if you're a guy. <laughs> be the Samaritan guy. <laughs> but just... Um, even I'm doing it right now. I'm just trying to really think about what is the deeper thing he's saying to her. Of course, we all know that we've heard this testimony a million times, but let's just look at it fresh. Um, Sir, you don't even have a bucket and the well is very deep. So where do you find this living water? Um, I want to stop there and just kind of add this layer to you. If she wasn't really searching in her life, I don't think she would have asked the question. I know I wouldn't have. I would have been like, whatever, dude. (laughs) I mean, think about it. If she wasn't really searching in her life, so the woman probably came to the well already with deep questions about her life. How many in the world today, including ourselves, are searching, searching for answers, right? Who's searching for answers? Yeah. I am. Okay. It's pretty, right? It's so common. Like, we're all searching. So I do feel like I'm seeing the deeper level of this woman right now. I'm seeing she probably came with some questions to the well, you know, to think. Um, so where do you find this living water? 
Do you really think that you are greater than our ancestors Jacob, who dug this well and drank from it himself, along with his children and livestock? Jesus answered, If you drink from Jacob's well, you'll be thirsty again. But if anyone drinks the living water I give them, they will never be thirsty again. For when you drink the water I give you, it becomes a gushing fountain of the Holy Spirit, flooding you with endless life. Mm. Amen. <laughs> the woman replied, let me drink that water. <laughs> give, me, give me some of that stuff. I'm buying what you're selling right now. <laughs> like, what are you saying to me right now? What? Give me some of this water so I'll never be thirsty again and won't have to come back here to draw water. So on one hand, on one level, she was getting it. And then in the same sentence, in the same breath, she wasn't getting it again. Because she's like, then I won't have to come back to draw water. Because she's not understanding he's talking about the spiritual um, implications for her and her life. So how many of us look for the natural satisfaction solution when God's speaking to us spiritual solution? You know, we're not on the same page. (laughs) So really, this story is really about getting getting this woman on the same page with him. And he's so patient with her. So he breaks out prophecy to get her on the same page. Right? That's what prophecy does. It's supernatural. Okay? It's it's time to break out the supernatural. So that he, she can know. I'm talking to you spiritually. Yeah. The woman replied, okay, sorry. Jesus said, this is where he breaks out prophecy, supernatural. Jesus said, go get your husband and bring him back here. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm not married. Shocker. Yeah. The woman answered, that's true, Jesus said, for you've been married five times. Bam. Prophesy. (laughs) You've been married five times, and now you're living with a man who is not your husband. Uh, You have told the truth. The woman changed the subject. Mm -hmm. She changed the subject. And we ain't going to talk about that. You must be a prophet. So tell me this. Why do our fathers worship God on a nearby mountain, but your people teach that Jerusalem is the place where we must worship? Who's right? So what she's flipping back to is kind of law stuff. Let's talk about the law here. And he's like, "Mm, I'm pulling you back in. (laughs) So Jesus responded, believe me, dear woman, (laughs) the time has come when you will worship the Father neither on the mountain nor in Jerusalem, but in your heart. So there again, he's pulling her into the supernatural, into her spirit. Your people really don't know the one they worship. <laughs> but Jews worship out of our experience. From it, from, for it's from the Jews that salvation is available. From now on, worshiping the Father will not be a matter of the right place, but with the right heart. So he's replacing one belief system for another belief system in that moment. Okay. I need new belief systems that line up with God's will for my life. So in this moment, there's an exchange happening. He's giving her a new belief system. For God is a spirit, and he longs to have sincere worshipers who adore him in the realm of the spirit and in truth. The woman said, this is all so confusing. I'm so confused. (laughs) 
But I do know that the anointed one is coming. Could you imagine, like, picturing she's saying this to the anointed one? <laughs> it's like saying, uh, my friend Britt here, I know Britt's coming. It'd be like, I'm saying to Britt, hey, I know Britt's coming. <laughs> oh, but I do know that the anointed one is coming, the true Messiah. And when he comes, he will tell us everything we need to know. <laughs> Jesus said to her, guess what? I got new, good news for you. You don't have to wait any longer. The anointed one is here speaking with you. I am the one you're looking for. All right. We're going to stop there. Did you, were you able to enter into that story a little bit differently? Um. It's just going to take me a minute to go back and forth through my notes, so bear with me. Awkward pause. Okay. Um, So let's just look at um, the recipient's response of this testimony. Let's look at that for a minute. Um, What do you feel, and this is interactive, so you can shout out answers. I'm not going to take questions right now, but you can shout out answers of what you think. What do you think was her response at that moment? Shock. She was shocked. Yeah. She was thirsty. in disbelief. Yeah. Yeah. Let me pull it back up. So she just gets done telling him that the anointed one's coming, and he's saying, I'm here. <laughs> I've arrived. <laughs> right? Let's read... Um, Let's read what happens after that. Let's read the response, okay? I just wanted to pause for a minute and kind of think about how are these people in these different scriptures responding to prophecy? Um, At that moment, his disciples returned and were stunned to see Jesus speaking with a Samaritan woman, yet none of them dared to ask him why or what they were discussing. (laughs) All at once, the woman left. Okay, so here's her response. You ready? Put your seatbelt on. All at once, the woman left her water jar and ran off to her village. And what did she do? She told everyone. She told everyone. She told everyone. What was, what was so great about what just happened unless one thing had happened? Why are we here? What did, what did the Lord say he wanted for you guys today? For you to believe. She believed. Her response was belief. Or she wouldn't have ran back and told everyone. If she thought the dude was crazy, ooh, he's the anointed one, the Messiah, the one we're looking for. Ooh, he's cuckoo. I don't think she would have ran back and told everyone, right? So belief had to have happened. She had to book. Something had to be exchanged in that moment that she believed him. She said, come and meet a man at the well who told me everything I've done. He could be the one we've been waiting for. Hearing this, the people came streaming out of the village to go see Jesus. Many from the Samaritan village came, became believers in Jesus because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I did. Then they begged Jesus to stay with them. So he stayed there for two days, resulting in many more coming to the faith in him because of his message. Okay. I did not get saved till I was 26, but he knew everything I did 
yet I felt no shame. This woman was able to say that because she felt no shame, because he was giving her something, not pointing out something. He was giving her life. He wasn't accusing her. Could you hear that in the scripture? That he was offering something? He wasn't accusing her? He was stating facts. He was, he was giving a description of her current situation, and he was offering her more, something that would satisfy that's not of this world, that was supernatural, that she believed. That was her response. Okay, so we're going to move on to the next um, story in the scriptures. You guys doing okay? Yes. Okay. If you weren't, you probably wouldn't tell me, but that's okay. All right. Um, thank you for bearing with me with my disjointed notes. Okay. So this is the scripture, and I'm purposely not giving you the address so you can just listen. Um, the scripture I'm going to next is Jesus's encounter with Nathaniel. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee where he found Philip, and Jesus said to him, come and follow me. Now, Philip, Andrew, and Peter had all grown up together in the village of Bethsaida. Philip went to look for his friend Nathaniel and told him, we found him. We found the one we've been waiting for. It's Jesus, son of Joseph, Joseph from Nazareth. He's the one who Moses and the prophets prophesied would come. Nathaniel sneered. Nazareth? Really? Mango? Is anyone familiar with mango in this area? <laughs> like saying mango. <laughs> What good thing could ever come from Nazareth, Philip answered. Come and let's find out. When uh, Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said, Here comes a true son of Israel, an honest man with no hidden motive. Prophesying right off the bat. Like that's their first, uh, you know, meet cute, right? They're meeting for the first time and he's like right out of the gate. He's prophesying to this guy. Um when Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said, here comes a true son of Israel, an honest man with no hidden motive. Nathanael was stunned and said, you've never met me. What is up with that? You don't know me. Of course, I'm, I'm like being sassy and, and paraphrasing. He just said, he never met me. <laughs> Do you guys read the, the Bible like that or is that just me? <laughs> I do. I like put all kinds of stuff in there. You can do that too. It's not sacrilegious. Uh, but you've never met me. How do you know anything about me? Jesus answered, Nathaniel, right before Philip came to you, I saw you sitting under the shade of a fig tree. Nathaniel blurted out, Teacher, you are truly the son of God and king of Israel. Oh my gosh. Like his mind was blown. How in the world did this person know what he was doing when he wasn't even present? That's nuts. Jesus answered, do you believe me? There's that belief, right? Do you believe simply because I told you I saw you sitting under a fig tree? Okay, so in this scenario, he didn't give space for Nathaniel to answer that. It was rhetorical, like for him to ask himself. This was Jesus saying, do you believe me simply because I pulled out a hat trick? 
right? Um, he said, he went on to say, he went on to prophesy over Nathaniel. You will experience even more impression, impressive things than that. It's like, oh, you know, I saw you in the fig tree, but just you wait, wait what's coming, you know? Uh, you will experience even more impressive things than that. I prophesy to you eternal truth. From now on, you all will see an open heaven and gaze upon the Son of Man like a stairway reaching into the sky with messengers of God climbing up and down upon him. That's pretty, pretty wild, huh? What do you think Nathaniel did with that information? <laughs> did, he, did he believe him? He did. You know how you know he believed him? Because he blurted out, Teacher, you truly are the Son of God and the King of Israel. Identity was revealed in that moment. Like his spirit knew he is the one. Nobody else was doing that. I can tell you that. (laughs) This was before the Holy Spirit came, so. Belief. All right, the last one. My favorite one. This is an axe. This is um, this is the conversion of Saul to Paul. How many of you are familiar with that scripture in this room? Okay. Okay. Good. Um, so I'm gonna do. I'm going to go over two different scenarios here. Um, Hang on one second. Okay. All right. So arise. This is this is the Lord speaking to the prophet Ananias. Okay. This is the only time Ananias is mentioned in the scriptures. He's never mentioned after this. He's like the one hit wonder, I guess, of prophets. I don't know. Uh-huh. <laughs> Got the one single out. And he's known for this, and then he's never mentioned again. Uh, but this is this is the Lord speaking to him. He's telling him what to do. He says, arise and go. I have chosen this man to be, he's talking about Saul. I've chosen Saul to be my special messenger. Uh, you know, Ananias had some problems with this scenario because if you think about it, Saul was killing Christians. He was killing women, children for following the way. That's what he was doing. He was, you know, had the zeal of the law. No one could surpass him. He even said, I, no one surpassed me in understanding the law. He followed it to the T. No one was, was, had gone past him. And so this is the man that the Lord is telling Ananias to go to. And he says, uh, you know, rise and go. I have chosen this man as my special messenger. There must have been like some confusion on Ananias. Like, what? What are you talking about? Um, but here he's prophesy. He's going to prophesy about who Saul really is. He's going to reveal Saul's heavenly identity, who will become Paul. And if you think about it, there's only two people on planet Earth at this point in time that know what's about to go down. And that is the Lord and Ananias. Nobody else, nobody else knew. Nobody else knew that that this was going to be happening. Um, But this is what the Lord said. He will be brought before kings, before many nations, and before the Jewish people to give them the revelation of who I am. And I will show him how much he is destined to suffer because of his passion for me. 
So this is Paul who wrote 13 books of the New Testament, who did suffer for him, who, <laughs> you know, the Apostle Paul is amazing. Um, and so it's just incredible how uh, just something simple like prophecy can just change everything in 180 like that. 180. But I wanna, uh, I wanted to go backwards, just reverse engineering um, a little bit. But um, if you look at the actual interaction on that day, um, what actually happened on the road. So I'm just gonna back that up now and read through that because I want us to kind of catch as I'm reading this, catch what the responses are. During those days, Saul, full of angry th threats and rage, wanted to murder the disciples of the Lord Jesus. So he went to ask the high priest and requested a letter of authorization uh, for him to take the Jewish leaders in Damascus, requesting their cooperation in finding and arresting any who were followers of the way. Saul went to capture all of the believers he found, both men and women, and drag them as prisoners back to Jerusalem. So he obtained the authorization and left for Damascus. Here he goes. He's on his merry way, right? Just outside the city, a brilliant light flashing from heaven. Wait a minute. Let's just pause for a minute. Just outside the city, a brilliant light flashing from heaven suddenly exploded all around him. <laughs> Falling to the ground, he heard a booming voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? What you don't hear the Lord saying is, you're a jerk. You're, you're this, you're that. You don't hear accusation, right? That's, that's my God. That's my Jesus. That's, that's the spirit of prophecy right there. Spirit of prophecy is kind. It's kind. He just asked a question. Why are you persecuting me? Like, why? What's up? What's up, son? So that was the question. Falling to the ground, he heard the booming voice say, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? The men accompanying Saul were stunned and speechless, for they heard a heavenly voice but could see no one. They heard the voice, but they didn't physically see anyone. So I want you to hear Saul's reply. Who are you, Lord? I am Jesus, the victorious, the one you are persecuting. <laughs> now get up and go into the city where you'll be told what you are to do. So what was Saul's response to this? Does anyone know? Huh? Bingo. Obedience. Saul stood to his feet, and even though his eyes were open, he could see nothing. He was blind. So the men had to take him back by the hand and lead him into Damascus. For three days, he didn't eat or drink and couldn't see a thing. What? Obedience. Bingo. So let me just break this down. And bring this all together now. Are we prophetic consumers or contributors? Back to that question. 
How do you know if you're just a consumer or contributor? Um, you have to ask yourself, the first question would be, do I believe Jesus when he tells me things? Like, do I believe him? And when I do believe him, what do I do with them? So sometimes the first step is a step of obedience. Yeah. Right? That was, fault. that was Paul's first step. He was being obedient. Um, if you just think about even uh, the Israelites, let's think about the Israelites for a minute. They did not believe God. And so they did not enter the promised land. Those who didn't believe didn't enter the promised land, right? Yeah. So sometimes the very first step into being contributors to what God is doing in your own life and the life around you is obedience. But a lot of times I think, um, just to let you in on my process a little bit, and maybe you can relate, when I don't believe him, I'm not going to obey him. I know that sounds obvious, but I'm just like, oh my gosh, if I don't believe him, I'm probably not going to obey him. So that makes sense to me why he, he's like, step one, believe me. Have you ever been challenged in that way where you're like, I'm not so sure I can believe God for this. Yeah. 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 And so, hmm? It's big, huge stuff Yeah. Yeah, like when we're making life-changing decisions, when we're trying to step into the things God has for us, or honestly, we're just trying to live our life. Sometimes it can be confusing. Like, I don't know what to do. I I don't know what the answer is. So I feel like, you know, even before the step of obedience, we have to go back to that question, you know, can we believe God for this? Whatever he's showing us, whatever he's telling us. Um, a lot of times we hold ourselves back because we don't even believe in who he says we are. That I don't even believe in myself. Do you know I didn't want to come here today? I believe it. You know, like, I struggle with the same things everyone else struggles with, with confidence, with believing in myself. It's this constant invitation from the Lord to go, but I know who you are. He, I mean, come on, Saul. Like, I never murdered a Christian, you know, and God believed in him, so why can't I, you know? So it's like, I think if we can just relax a little bit and not beat up, beat ourselves up so much and just go, you know, I just, I want to get, I want to discover how to believe him for these things. Let me discover that and not put so much pressure or even feel bad that I don't. Um, because many people go through that. Many people go through that. It's very common. But that's how we grow. And if we're in community, we can do this together. I don't want to do this by myself. You know, I want to do it with you guys. You know, wherever you're at and wherever I'm at, we can just, like, help each other out and contribute. That's part of being a contributor, not a consumer. You know, a consumer is like, just give me a word, man. Just give me a word. It's almost like a fix, an encouragement fix. Wow. It's like, what are you doing with the, all the words that you've already gotten? Sometimes we don't need another word. Right. We need to deal with all the words we've already gotten. What have you done with them? Wow. Have you believed them? If it's an encouraging word, did you believe it? Did you believe what he said about you? If it's a directional word, did you do the last thing that God told you to do? Wow. You know. 
So a lot of times people, and I'm not saying anyone in this room, but I have certainly been that person of, I just, I need to be built up. I, I want a prophetic word. I just want a word. And the Lord's like, no, you don't. (laughs) No, you don't. You don't need that because I'm consuming. And I can guarantee, I promise you, there will never be enough prophetic words to give you that living water. Good. Yeah. And so part of being a contributor is believing him. We can't ever contribute if we're not even at step one, believe. Right. So I just want to remind us we're believers. He calls us believers. Yeah. And we were created to believe him. And if we start our day, it's easy to believe God. No matter what, it's easy to believe him because he's good. He's a good father and he has good things for me. So that's always my step one because I'm always thinking the opposite, honestly. That is my natural go-to. So I'm trying to change that habit. I really am. I'm trying to start my day with, no, actually, like, just with truth. I, it's easy to, I'm hardwired to believe him. I'm hardwired to hear him. I'm hardwired for that. Like, that's who I am. Um, so I hope that helps. <laughs> yeah. And so then I can start thinking about the step of obedience because it's like I got, you know, I got the big guns with me. Like I can do this because we're partnering. We're doing it together. Right. Have you ever felt um, like you're doing something? Have you ever felt the difference between doing something for God and doing something with God? Isn't it like a huge difference when I'm trying to do something for God? It's so hard. Like, I can't do this. But when I'm doing it with him, he's like, I believe in you. We've got this. You know, that's like, uh, you know. Yeah. And so, yeah. So just looking at the result, you know, if you just even just take a minute and think about any time in your life where uh, you've received prophetic words. uh, My first question is, you know, what did you do with it? Um, And if you never received one, well. You're going to today. Um, you know what did you do, what did you do with um, words that you already had? I I have a journal that I keep words in, so it's my special journal. Um, they're in here. They're in my journal. They're on my phone. <laughs> they're everywhere. I need to compile them, but I I keep track of words I've been given and and I steward them. You know, Caleb's been talking about stewardship. Uh, he talked about it on Sunday, You're, you know, being good stewards of our time, talent, and treasure. And the first thing that popped up into my mind was prophetic words. Yeah. Stewarding prophetic words is like a key, a huge key to accelerating your life, your your destiny with God. Um, and I've, I've seen such a transformation in those around me and myself who actually be, are intentional in doing that. Um, so I just want to offer that to you. If you want to see that um, change in your life, um, that's one way you can do it, is by really being intentional to steward those words. Um, the other thing is um, just I want to talk about uh, um one of the things I, I wanted to talk briefly, and then we'll, we'll get into some activations, is, um, hold on one second, sorry. 
amongst yourselves. I need to find my notes. Awkward pause. Potty break. Drink. Okay, I found it. I found it. I'm so excited. Um, I love being real with you guys. No performance. I love it. Um, no, uh, one of the things that has really changed my life that I really wanted to share with you guys tonight is the fact that when we are given a promise by God, either through the written word or a word given to you that resonates with you and you know it's God, is really processing with Holy Spirit what kind of promise is it because people tend to think that all of God's promises are all up to him and he does all the heavy lifting so I can just sit back relax and be like thank you Lord for prophesying over me that I'm going to write a book and I can't wait to read it <laughs> And now I'm waiting. I'm waiting for the book to appear, right? <laughs> so, you know, oh yeah, God's going to do it. So awesome. I can't wait. But what? How's that book going to get written? I have to write it. What? What do you mean? What do you mean I have to do something? So, it's just understanding that not all of God's promises are sovereign. Not all of them are sovereign. Some of them are conditional. I love to break it to you. <laughs> this is life-changing, guys, because so many people have missed opportunities because they didn't understand, you know. Um, can you shut that door, too? Thanks. Thank you. They didn't understand um, fully, you know, and that's okay. If you came here today and you're like, what? Um, that's okay. That was me. I'm like, what? This opened up a whole new world of how I looked at the word, how I looked at his promises and over my words was then I started looking like, okay, what part did God say he would do? Okay. Got that. I don't need to do God's part. Thumbs up. I'm good to go there. But what part is he asking me to do? That's where it's life changing. That's where the step of obedience comes. That's where the fruit comes. So, oh, okay, I'm going to write a book. Awesome. First thing I'm going to do is say help, right? And then he's going to help me write it. I have to be obedient to write it. I have to co-labor with him to write it. Um, that's my part. He did his part. He said, this is what you will do. And I believed him. This is a true story. I've always wanted to write a book and would, never wrote it. And uh, I heard, uh, just had this revelation, and, you know, and I decided I was going to believe him for it. And I wrote it and I published it. Yay. Thank you. And that's not an easy thing to do. And then when I published it, I was like, now what do I do? <laughs> so it's like you, you birth this thing and you're like, 
I don't know what to do. What do I do with my hands? I have a book. I don't know what to do with it. It's kind of like that. I'm learning. I'm growing. But this was life-changing for me to even go back through some words that have really resonated with me through through time mm-hmm. and pulling them back out. And, you know, especially if you're waiting on a promise and it hasn't happened yet, maybe it's worth going back and saying, did I miss my, you know, partnering with God? Did I miss my part in it? And so it really does go back to the scripture. Um, I don't have it written down. Let me see if I can look it up. And um, James. Let me pull that up. Is it okay if I pull that up for you guys? Yes. James one twenty two. Okay, it says in James one twenty two, uh, don't just listen to the word of truth and not respond to it. Okay. For that is the essence of self-deception. That was my video today about the biggest deception. One of the biggest deceptions in the church is that all of God's promises are sovereign and he's just going to you know, make everything happen for you. Yeah. He's not a genie. He's a partner. He's a partner in our life. He's not a genie. He's a partner. He wants a partnership. It's a relationship. Um, let me start over. Don't just listen to the word and spoken word to the word of God and also words spoken to you and not respond to it. For that is the essence of self-deception. So always let his word become like poetry written and fulfilled by your life. Beautiful. Fulfilled by your life. Who's living your life? You are. You are. Am I living your life? Can I fulfill that promise? Can I write your book? No. Unless you're a You are. If you listen to the word and don't live out the message you hear, you become like the person who looks in the mirror of the word to discover the reflection of his face in the beginning. You perceive how God sees you in the mirror of the word, but then you go out and forget your divine origin. Yep. So... That's what he doesn't want to happen. So that's a uh, prescription, right? Prescription for our lives to really fulfill, you know, have the fulfillment and live out our divine origins, what he originally designed us for. And that's how we do it. And prophecy is one way that we get there. It's a gift. It's a gift not just given to us, but it's a gift he calls us to give. So think about it. If you, right now, so if I'm receiving a prophetic word for someone, if I don't ever give it, is it actually a gift? No. It's only a gift when you give it. So I have to be obedient to give it, right? Then it becomes the gift. I'm only receiving information. The information you get from Holy Spirit is not the prophecy. It, the prophecy is when you give it to someone. Because prophecy is a gift. It's one of the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. And you can find that in 1 Corinthians 12. There's nine of them. The gift of prophecy is one of the nine. So you, you can't call it a gift until you give it to someone. At that point, I'm just receiving information. So when we go to practice here in a minute, I'm trying to kind of get you all prepared. Uh, like, ooh, yes, stretch. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, 
whatever you're hearing from Holy Spirit, you're just receiving information. It's not the actual gift until you give it to the person. All right, so let's see. We have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Wait, first of all, let me ask, no pressure. If you're not going to participate, um, let me know because I have to partner you guys up two by two. So if you just want to kind of hang out, chill out, perfectly fine. Last week we had people chilling out. But if you want to just like partner up and try it and just um, have fun, no pressure, uh, I want to invite you into that if, you know, you feel comfortable doing that. But, again, no pressure. So if you don't let me know now, I'm going to partner you up. <laughs> All right. So one, two, three, four.